My family is a big family and my family loves to eat cereal. My family gets bowls and bowls of grub. We get cereal and that's just the way we roll. Nice cold glass of milk with it and it's on and we go hit CVS. Now, if you know CVS, CVS for years has had people laughing and joking about the receipts CVS give you. I mean, CVS give you a receipt that'll run down the street. If you ever been to CVS, they, they have people that like they replacing mini blinds with receipts. You know, they got a, a few where they show, you know, people getting married and the wedding train is a receipt. You know, it's like it's kind of crazy. Well, 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 we go to CVS primarily for two reasons. The, the first reason is we go there for cereal. The second reason is usually because we're getting some type of medication. It might be something like children's Tylenol or some type of chewable vitamin or a pain reliever like Aleve. You see, CVS is great for going to try to just take care of symptoms. It's the place you go when you have an issue and you need your symptom dealt with, but you don't go to CVS to deal with the root cause. So you go to your doctor, you go to the physician when there's a root issue that you need to take care of. You don't just go to CVS to deal with the symptoms today. As we dive into God's word. We're going to have an opportunity to have some symptoms elevated. And should those symptoms be dealt with? Yes. But God's word will help us deal with the root cause, the root issue. And so if you will with me, turn to Jeremiah chapter eight. But before you get there, I got to I got to celebrate our worship team. Come on, y'all. Our worship team was singing that song. Y'all was playing. Nick, thanks for being on the drums with us all month as we've been singing these amazing Negro spirituals. Uh, our pastor Chris has been a blessing to us and helping us organize them and coordinate it. And it's just Mike and Rebecca just been it's been fire. So I thank thank you to our team. Amazing servants. The song they sang is called There is a Balm in Gilead, B-A-L-M. You probably like me and thought all these years they were talking about a bomb, something blowing up. <laughs> that just might have been your pastor slurring his speech when I was talking. No, it's a, a balm. And I will share with you what, what that means. But first, in the first stanza of, of that song, it's these lyrics. It says, there is a balm in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a balm in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. The sin-sick soul. What would a, a person that was coming out of slavery or a person in slavery had thought as the sin-sick soul was? I first want to look at that from the societal standpoint. They would have would have saw the sin sick soul as a and as an entire system working against them. They would have saw it as something that breaks apart families or or something that brings forth punishment whenever they were trying to learn how to read. 
He would have saw it as having to make a choice over the bare necessities. I was reading articles, just getting more familiar with some of the plight, journey, and strength of ancestors from African-American descent and was hearing that oftentimes uh, masters would give out clothes once a year on Christmas. And if you were a baby or a child, you weren't working. You weren't earning your keep, so you didn't get clothed. And if you were a senior that had gone beyond the age of being able to make money, you didn't get clothed. And so the person that was working would oftentimes have to choose, am I going to clothe my child or my mother? These are the types of wounds that were created in a system that was stretching the fabric of African-American reality. And you see why a song that says there's a wounded soul could be created. You see the environment by which it could have been could have been manifested. But we can't just simply talk about the wounds that were present in society. Because while there is a bomb in Gilead is focused on the wounded whole of society, there's also a sin sick soul. An individual, individuals that were present then and individuals present now. And I've got to somehow see this beauty in these words because those words then allow us to connect with realities now. And if you just pause for a second and look at the news just in the last week, you say we've got some sin sick situations was just remembering times when my wife and I were considering uh, our children being in gymnastics. And this past week, we got news of coaches and doctors working together to abuse families. And there's a sin sick situation. There is still sin sick remnants of past situations where our lives are just not adding up. University of Michigan uh, put out a put out a report that said that federal prosecutors are almost twice as likely to file charges carrying mandatory minimum sentences for African Americans than whites accused of the same crimes. There's still some sin sick situations that is not just societal, but it's happening to individuals. Brother Ronald Green, who his family was told by the police that he had passed away in a car accident, just found out this week through the cameras that actually what happened was he was beaten by officers whose custody he was in. I mean, we are in need of something because the sin sick situations that took place when these words were being written still are seeming to manifest today. And it's not just societal, it's personal. But we see that happen in the Bible, too. This isn't unique to slaves and it's not unique to our culture. We can look through our biblical pages and find situations where people were not living up to the Christ centered character that they should have been. And so when we look at Jeremiah eight, 
Jeremiah is a is a brother that 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 probably was trained in some priestly like duties, but he's got a, a, a prophetic voice. And sadly, his people just ain't listening. He keeps saying it, saying it, saying it. And it seems to be falling on deaf ears, this call for people to return to Christ. And in chapter eight, he basically lists in all 22 verses, different ways that the sin sick community is operating. I wish that I could have like a celebratory tone this this Sunday, but 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 a song like there is a bomb in Gilead first has to help you understand the depths of pain so that you can realize the beauty of the healing. So the depths of the pain can be found in Jeremiah eight. Let me just give three of the many expressions that are there. If you look at verse four. It says, uh. To, to, and this is to the, the people of God we're talking about. He says, you shall say to them, thus says the Lord. When men fall, do they not rise again? If one turns away, does he not return? This, this concept of turn away is, is a biblical concept of what it means for you to take control. Excuse me, take control of your own life. To veer away from what God intends. Biblical writers use it all the time. Jeremiah uses it the most. If you could, could imagine the last time, and I know last summer wasn't that time because you was chilling. But let's go back to the summer beforehand when you was at uh, Aunt Lula Mae's barbecue. Or you was at that birthday party, the party we would have thrown Carolyn today if things wasn't different. You know, if 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 you was at the barbecue and somebody was shouting out, oh, that's my jam. We're about to go line dance. Maybe you come from a rural environment and maybe it's country dancing. Either way, when somebody is calling it out. You respond based on what they say. So when they say slide to the left, you. Slide to the left with it, you know. Now, now what what's what what takes place, though, is the moment you decide to be the individual that says, no, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to get my you to mess it up for everybody. Thinking that you're doing something, you mess. And, and, and this word turn really is communicating that God is calling out the steps for your life. He's communicated it clearly and beautifully in his word with the covenant. He said this I've set apart for you step by step how to live, how to bring me joy. And in bringing me joy, you will find favor. But yet and still we want to. And what he's saying is you are turning. Are you going to return and get back in line? You keep leaving and doing your own thing. Will you come back? Will you turn back? To what is right. And so. We see here a, a, a quick Jeremiah's write down of. A wounded soul trying to do their own thing and turn from God with the hope that they will return. Skip down four verses from four, from verse four to verse eight. 
It's just going to give you three quick expressions. Expression number number two we find. It says in verse eight, how can you say we are wise and the Lord and, and the law of the Lord is with us? But behold, the lying pen of the scribes has made it into a lie. You see, you have scribes whose whole goal is to take what the king says and to write it down. Their whole goal is to hand off from God, give to the people exactly what the Lord has said. But somehow they start swelling up a little bit. They start seeing an end goal, a benefit of their own, if they just change things a little bit. If we just write laws that benefit us a little bit more, we'll be able to prosper. And so now these people who are supposed to be close to the king, representative of the king, the folks that are supposed to be when you see them, you know, the Lord is with them because they have the law of the Lord are compromising for their own benefit and their own gain. And I've wrestled with this a little bit in my heart, but I, it's broken my heart as I've heard believers in this last year say some stuff. I, I know testimonies of people who were down at TCF, making sure that everything was 100% when all the election stuffs happened. So I don't believe there was any lies about the election and nobody cheated and all that. Like I, some folks believe that I don't believe it. But as I've talked to people, I've heard people say things like, well, I wanted him out of there so much, or I wanted to make sure this person didn't win so much that I would have been willing to cheat whatever it would take to make sure that person isn't in. You, you, you see that, that kind of line of thinking where we're supposed to be God's people, his people set aside that say we will do right because that is what you expect of us. Not because we want the end goal in, but, because we want to be in control, because we want to step outside and do our own thing, because we think that whatever that end result is, it's better than trusting you. You see, family, this is the state that we started finding these people in. And this was the state of the slaves where we rewrote if a person was a man. Like, like we, when we, when it's to our benefit, we can become these scribes and I'm reminding us of it so that we don't replicate it. It can be tempting, especially when you and I can be the benefactors, when we can be the ones that get something out of it. Be cautious. Not worth it. Go down four more verses. To verse 12. Third example we find in Jeremiah it says, where they were they ashamed when they committed abominations? No, they were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among the fallen. When I punish them, they shall be overthrown, says the Lord. This is now people that are so used to operating in sin that it's not even embarrassing anymore. 
where, where we can create an entire system that degrades another human, sees a person as property, and when we get angry about a war that takes place, the main reason that we're angry is because our, our investment might be lost. I mean, like, like these people, this, these people in Jerusalem are now thriving in sin. Successful, but suffering. And I, and I'm thankful for these words that are written. And I understand how the second stanza, which says of this song, there's a balm in Gilead. Sometimes I feel discouraged. Because when you look out and you see what I'm tempted to do in my heart and I look out and see society and what's happening in society, you start to feel that weight. And then I think my work's in vain. Third line of the second stanza in prayers, the Holy Spirit revives my soul Again, why? Where does the revival come from? It comes from the last verses in chapter eight. Look in eight, verse 22. It says, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then has the health of, of the daughter of my people not been restored? We, we find this word balm first introduced to us in Genesis when, when brother Joseph is being sold off and there's this tribe of people coming and they're headed to Egypt. What they're carrying with them is balm from Gilead. Gilead is this really lush place that has big, beautiful trees. And one of the, the components of the trees was, was this bark that could be broken and this salve would come out of it and the salve would be mixed with some oint with some uh spices and it would make an ointment and you would put that on a cut on anything that was hurting and they said it would heal and you and i both know if it's going to egypt where the brother's at folks was testing this thing it had to work <laughs> It, it had it had to have some some somebody was like, OK, let me see it. Oh, I'm, I'm feeling better. Like like this was a part of culture during that day. It was not just a, a little rubbing alcohol. This was something that had some type of medicinal remedy. And so what we see happen is that is that people begin to associate the healing power of the balm. With the God who was their creator. If there is any wound within my heart, is there is any breakdown of my emotional well-being, what healing can I find? I find a healing in the balm. The balm that would come from Gilead, this balm that was a lush and, and thriving place, this balm that was broken so that I could be healed. And so what begins to happen is, is this, this statement that I love that Howard Thurman says. He says, the reframe of this spiritual offers encouragement and dares to respond with hope in the face of hopelessness, showing courage in the face of despair. African-American theology, the, uh, excuse me, 
Uh, I said it was from Howard Thurman. Uh, he says, the slave caught the mood of this spiritual dilemma and with it did an amazing thing. He straightened the question mark in, in Jeremiah's sentence into an exclamation point. There is a balm in Gilead. It's not questioning. Is there a healing for us that can help with the way that our sin sick soul is? No, the slave said, no, we know the answer. We see the demise of society. We see the breakdown. We see what we're tempted to do. And we need a healing. And we know where that healing comes from. There is a balm in Gilead. And so we understand the, the last stanza of the song now with a little bit more clarity. If you can't preach like Peter. If you can't pray like Paul. Just tell the love of Jesus and say he died for us all. You see, sometimes it's just that simple that in the midst of some challenges and some real obstacles, you got to say, I just got Jesus, my healer, my redeemer, the one who gives me life in the midst of me hurting. Yes, he is my Balm in Gilead. I don't need to question it. I say it with confidence. I say it with confidence. And so we get a chance to, to learn and see how, how God uses this healing presence in our lives. I was, uh, I was reading an article that, 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 actually got under my skin because it's it's 2021 um and there's a school system and one of the school administrators during the all community um meeting uh was responding to the community the community wrote out 1200 uh signatures and they said hey we would like to see within our school system uh curriculum that speaks to a greater understanding of the African-American experience. We want this to be a part of all children's experience, not just something that's optional for families at home. This administrator said, no, nah, I don't like Black History Month. I think that Black History Month is too uh, exclusive. We don't have all the other cultures present in Black History Month, so I'm, I'm not in favor of that. And, and he listed a number of other reasons. And I don't even got to go through all those because I already know even at home, I see you squirming in your seat. Like he said, what? Yep, he said that. And, and he said more. But, but what, 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 what caught my heart though was just the, the fact that somehow we're still not at the place of like seeing the value in one another. Not simply do you have to learn from one another? And, but, but that you have something that enhances my experience. And so I actually was pretty kind of, kind of down as I had read that, you know, some, I, I do believe that there's true spiritual warfare and I don't know what was going on in the heavenlies, but I was, I was down. And then I, I got a text from somebody. I got a text from somebody and, and this is what they said. They said, this is the first time we have celebrated Black History Month 
as a church community, sadly. As we are so blessed by the kids sharing at Mac, the spirituals being included in worship and how you are unpacking them through the lens of the Bible. It's been a blessing to our family. First off, Lord, you, you are you, you bad. You cold with it. I couldn't align that up. But then I, but then I thought like, 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 like how long have there been people who have been trusting in God to see his reconciliation take place? And how many voices continue to speak out that it should never happen? We don't want it. It's not of any good. But then there comes a healing text, a healing voice, a healing action, a healing representative that just says, no. God is doing a mighty work within his people and family. We got to be reminded of that. We got to we got to be grateful for that. We got to see God's healing presence is taking care of some of these wounds that we carry with us. And I'm a young buck. I know the next generation older, older than me has some wounds in that generation. But Christ is doing a work family. Don't give up on doing the right thing for his sake. Don't you start leaning away different ways so that we can have try to control the outcomes. See trusting in him and his redemptive purposes being enough. Being enough. And so I'm I'm. I'm thankful for the healing that he offers. But 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 sometimes we miss the the fullness of the healing because we just want to deal with the symptoms. You see, I'm I'm a pastor and I'm blessed to be able to 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 walk with you, to walk with women, to walk with men. I will say, though, that this happens a little bit more often to brothers. That sometimes you go to the doctor, you find out what's going on, but then the doctor gives you some instructions. Some things you're supposed to do as a result of the surgery or things you're supposed to do as a result of the healing. Some some stuff that now you got to follow through on. Don't look the other way, bro. I know you at home. I know. Don't get in no trouble with your spouse. I'm just I'm. But see, sometimes you get healed and then God says, now I want you to go be a blessing and heal someone else with your words. Sometimes you get healed and God is saying, now I want you to go sin no more. Sometimes you get healed by this bomb in Gilead and God is then saying, now I want you to go and love one another. You get healed. And he says, I'm extending you my mercy. And he's saying, now I want you to go show mercy. You see, there's a bomb in Gilead that's bringing forth a healing even today within this local church, within the greater church. But there's some some instructions we got to follow up from this doctor, y'all. Some ways that he wants us to keep walking out this faith, keep living out this healing experience that we have had. Don't you be a immature Christian. Got saved and then not following the instructions got healed and then keeping it to yourself. No, 
I love those words. And sometimes all we are, all we get the, the beautiful opportunity to do is say that he died for all. And our willingness to tell somebody else that should be the fruit of our experience of being healed. Me being healed should be a, a, a catalyst, a, a, a light of fire to us to tell someone else this great healer. And so I love this connection that gets made between Jeremiah and Christ. In Jeremiah chapter 31, we're going to end with just a couple of verses. In Jeremiah 31, he helps us understand the way in which things are going to change. He helps us understand the, the hope of what's to come. He helps us look forward to a reality that he's trusting will happen. Jeremiah chapter 31, starting at verse 31. He said, behold, the days are coming declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was there, though I was their husband, declares the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them. And I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. We got a healer, y'all. He's healing the deepest aspect of our problems. We've got some symptoms that we got to deal with. We've got to deal with injustice. We've got to deal with uh, um, um, folks' gender issues. We've got to deal with poverty. We've got to deal with so many things. But don't get so caught up in the symptoms that we don't deal with the root. The root is sinful people rejecting a holy God. And he's saying, I want to do something in your heart where you get a new experience. Where I'm going to forgive you for your sins. And that forgiveness, we get to take with us new, redeemed, and healed. Look with me at our last verse for today. Connects us from Jeremiah to Christ in a very clear way. Jer Hebrews chapter 8. There is a balm in Gilead. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6, it says, But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since it is, an, is enacted on better promises. Better promises. What's he saying? There's a new covenant that you get a chance to experience. You get a chance to be a part of 
because of Christ. That thing that Jeremiah was hoping for that you would someday experience. We get it today in Jesus Christ. The, the hope that someday was going to take place, it is realized today in our hearts. And we get a chance to walk in the new reality that this healer provides. So let us move forward, transformed internally, but also having an impact externally. Let us not be okay with societal ills and and personal shortcomings. Not saying you need to be perfect today. But don't don't be like we read in Jeremiah where you you're not even willing to blush because you just get so comfortable in your sin. No, let us be passionate about walking out this new reality of healing that we've experienced in Christ and that we get a chance to follow the instructions. We get a chance to follow the steps the Lord has laid out for us. We get a chance to live in this new covenant reality, a better promise of eternal life with our King who is with us today. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful for you. We are grateful that, that it's not a question of, is there a healer? But we get to say with confidence, there is a balm in Gilead for the wounded soul. And just as there was a physical reality that, that our world and nation is very different that, that what the slaves prayed in many ways is a reality today. There's a, a freedom that is far different. And though we have some strides to make, today is far greater than what my ancestors experienced. But there's a greater transformation that's happened that the, the reality that Jeremiah was longing for, that our sins are forgiven by you, Jesus. And we are grateful for that, that we get to experience that fully today. Let us act. Let us follow the instructions of the great doctor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.